Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. I'm Russell Howell. And this is Joy by Chance, where we come and talk all this entertainment, including movies, television, streaming, sometimes sports, never books, because books are lame. Uh, <laughs> this this week was supposed to be it's, it's kind of like our Mother's Day episode. We can't we had a stuff expired on Mother's Day, so we did uh, worst movie moms. It was a hotly contested poll, and ultimately, 1967's The Graduate won out. Now I can see why this was a contested poll, and we'll get to it later. But yeah, so uh, first of which we're starting off with our usual segment. First of which is. Uh, trailer talk. <laughs> we have two to talk about today, both of which are interesting for various reasons. First of which is Unhinged. So Unhinged is a new Russell Crowe movie, which is basically like an alternate version of Falling Down. Did you get those vibes? I was th- I was thinking the same exact thing, Falling Down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is is a guy who goes nuts when a woman has the audacity to honk at him in traffic. The, the, what? <laughs> who, do, who does that? Who, do, who, who, who would do that? This guy's never been in New York City where they honk what the is, horn just for recreational what, what, what is this, Nazi Germany? <laughs> uh, the uh, titular woman is played by Karen uh, Pistorius. She was in Slow West and uh, Gloria Bell, Car- uh, Love Between Oceans. Really, really solid actress. I think she also might have been... She was also, she was also in that uh, London's on Wheels, Hugh Weaver's in charge lookout movie. I think uh, Mortal Engines. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think she, I think she's in that one. I, it, it, you don't quote me on that, but uh, yeah, something someone who someone else I do know, uh, Gabriel, Gabriel Bateman plays her son. Who I, I was a big fan of him coming off of uh, 20, 2019's Child's Play. I thought he was really great in that. Maybe the most slept on youth performance of last year. Yeah, he was he was really good. He was pretty solid yeah, in that. I, I thought he was terrific in that film. But yeah, Russell, what do you think of? Uh, what do you think of Unhinged? I mean, first off, it's a heavier Russell Crowe. We've we've kind of gone into this phase now of his career where he's he's just keeping that weight on. Remember from uh, I think what Boy Erased, he gained all that weight. Yeah, and he's uh, and then kind of keeping. He has a, well, I mean, it kind of started with uh, it, it kind of started with uh, what's it called? The Nice Guys. Where he's like, that, yeah, I've had a little too much pie. Now, just like I really should stop <laughs> eating the goddamn pie. <laughs> now he's like. I eat dessert before dinner. No big deal. I, I mean, look, uh, and I'll say this: Russell Crowe looks like he's trying, which is a rarity nowadays, dude. It, but I had to laugh that like a couple scenes in that in the uh, trailer where he's like, "Remember when he went off the handle with that that whole uh, telephone incident at the hotel or something like oh that?" Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> so I laughed because like when he was like. Uh, the cell phone or whatever. I, I think it's the uh, restaurant or whatever. He's like, he, like we've been, we've been slams down the, it down or something. We've yeah, been down the throat before. So it had some shades of uh, his past coming back, but um, I mean, it looks okay. I, I mean, it's it's probably not going to be very good, but uh, am I going to see it because I'm curious what Russell Crowe's going to do with it? Yeah, uh, I just don't think that it's going to be a very good movie, but um, I'm curious enough. Oh, I want to so, see. Uh, I, I, I yeah. think this. I think this looks fucking crazy. And I want to watch it. Oh, absolutely. I definitely want to see Russell Crowe become unhinged. <laughs> but um, I, I, I don't know. I just think he's a perfect person to play that just because of his past and stuff like that. So I think like as he's going into like the back end of his career or whatever, I just think that, um, yeah, he just doesn't care. Right? He's already won an Oscar, so it's like whatever, you know? Yeah, so it's like, what, what am I doing? Why am I yeah, doing Yeah, it's like... Yeah, but still, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it looks... 
I think it looks crazy. And hey, Russell Crowe, you can weigh whatever you want right now. You're still oh, absolutely. When, when you care, you're still a great actor. Eat the pie, buddy. Hey, eat, eat, eat as much pie as you want. Uh, and <laughs> I, I, did, I did get a laugh because it only in theaters July first, twenty twenty. So I guess I guess this is the crew of people playing the flag. It's no, it's it's ten. It's Christopher Nolan, Mulan, and Russell Crowe and Unhinged. <laughs> Uh, you watch this. Unhinged is going to end up being on VOD. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it, but I just, if Christopher Nolan's not moving, then theaters are going to have no choice. I mean, when Christopher Nolan moves, I mean, the rest of the... It's it's crazy because, like, even, like, um, we do this 10K every year, this race down in Pittsburgh. It's not until the end of September, and they've already pulled the plug on that. Really? Yeah, I'm like, a lot of these things are going a little bit premature. Like, you know what I mean? And you have, like, Christopher Nolan just, you know... July, no big deal. We're gonna we're gonna do this. It's, we, we, we we can do this. <laughs> oh man, he's he's staying uh, he's staying so- solid though. Yeah, no, props to him. So uh, next show we're talking about is one that I was really looking forward to. If you remember our most anticipated of the year segment of what was the last thing we reviewed last year? I can't remember. The last one that we reviewed. What was the last? Was it was it Fifty Shades of Grey? Fifty Shades. Of, was it the last one? or Was that the first one? That might have been. That might have been the last. Well, that was for our fiftieth episode, though. So I don't know. Okay. No. Um, no what, uh. Yeah. 50, 50, 50 Shades of Grey was the last thing we reviewed last year. Oh. Okay. Uh. So. Uh. Anyways. Uh. This is. Yeah. This is one that was on my not my top ten. That's uh, Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. So, The Five Bloods is a story about a bunch of uh, black Vietnam vets who go back to Vietnam to try and find... I thought it was to find... We were, we were told it was find the remains of their uh, superior officer. That's not the case. It looks like they buried treasure. And now, yeah, it, yeah, definitely uh, definitely get the, uh, the treasure vibe there. But yeah, it's... Okay, I guess this is the remains of their fallen squad leader and the promise of buried treasure. So, it's a two for one. Uh, so yeah, this movie stars Daryl Lindo, Norm Lewis, Broadway's Norm Lewis, Clark Peters, and Isaiah Woodlock Jr. as the vets. Also, uh, had a Black Klansman reunion with Paul Walter Hauser and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this. Uh, ja- Jasper Pakokin or Pakonin, uh, the mu- the mustache racist from Black Klansman, the one who looks kind of like, the one who looks kind of like Joel Kinnaman if he could act. Uh. And also, also Jean Renault, who, where has he been? I haven't seen him in a movie in so long. He he's been eating pie with Russell Crowe. Well, I mean, Jean Renault's never been like super. Well, I guess, I guess you go like to the nineties, like like professional. Well, I mean, if we're gonna call it what it is, I mean, he he looked <laughs> looked a little heftier in that in the trailer. He did but, look a little I mean, heftier. But he, boy, we're just we're just we're just savages here picking on these people. Yeah, the body shaming is not okay. Nah. <laughs> we gotta have fun with this. Yeah, that's true. But uh Russell, what did you think of the trailer for The Five Bloods? I got like vibes of like Platoon, Apocalypse Now, which is funny because you see the Apocalypse Now uh, thing in the one background of a of a shot. Um yeah, I mean I'm curious to see what Spike Lee's gonna do with this. Um Vietnam films are always I feel like they like Platoon I really liked. A lot of people like or on the flip side of that, they don't like Platoon. Um, Apocalypse Now is like a, you know, pretty much like a beloved uh, Vietnam film. But this looks like it follows in the steps of this. But kind of what you said, they go back to Vietnam. To You know what I mean? So it's going to be 
there's going to be a lot of flashing in and out, like a lot of flashbacks throughout this film. But it, it looks good, and I'm curious to, to see it. Um, obviously, with the uh, you know Spike Lee coming back out of you know nowhere with Black Klansman and just how you know great of a film that was, and I think maybe both of our top tens the year it came out. Um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this one. I think it looks really, really good, and I wouldn't be surprised if it does get uh, you know some uh, love there for the uh, Oscars. Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of odd that. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I kind of wish they would push this back to something they like uh, November, just just to like get fall it. or yeah, or fall winter time. Yeah, I, I think it would have gotten more of an Oscar push, but yeah, you know, maybe I mean, who knows? Maybe since nothing's coming out right now, it'll it'll carry that on if it's really good. Which, yeah, I mean, there's only like 20 movies wide release so far. <laughs> so, yeah, and which, we got a shot. Which I which I hope and I hope it is good because yeah, this movie I think it looks. Excellent. I'm, I'm still behind Spike Lee now, just because, like for a while, like the early two thousand, like the mid to late two thousands, he really kind of slumped. Yeah. Even like the early twenty tens, like Old Boy, and it's just like a bunch of movies that were just like, oh God, Spike, come on, okay, come on, you got to yeah, bounce back. Then he made Chirac, which is like a really like, hey, you know, I can I can still make movies. And then yeah, Black Klansman, yeah. which is one, of, not only his best in a long time, one of his best of his career. And that's saying he's made a lot of he's made a lot of movies. Yeah, he has. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Uh, it comes out June 12th on Netflix. This is definitely what I'll be doing. If nothing else, just to see uh, to see Delroy Lindo in like, a really great movie again. Because it's been a while since we've seen him. And looks like, last movie I saw him in was, like, the, was Point Break 2015. And he's the best part of that. But it's only, oh, because, yeah. it's only because of walking around like he doesn't know what is going on. <laughs> Just, uh, we'll talk about when we ever talk about Point Break 2015, but yeah, like he he always looks so confused in that movie. Yeah, Point Break 2015 is definitely one that I'm sure we'll get to just because of the fact that it's like, oh man, that movie's just wow. It also is worth noting that uh, Kevin Wilmot, uh, Spike Lee's collaborator on Black Klansman, is also collaborating on this, collaborate with him on this movie, so that's cool. And Apparently he's also a family friend. I didn't know this until recently because my cousin Liz is friends with him. Really? Yeah, something I didn't know about, which is, which is weird. That's cool. So uh, yeah, uh, definitely looking forward to this. And also uh, Chadwick Boseman post post Black Panther post post Black Panther. Wow, that's hard to say. Uh, yeah, uh, it's good to be good to see him in a Spike Lee joint. He plays the uh, the uh, commanding officer who uh, died and helped bury the treasure. But when you when you lay it out like that, it kind of it sounds so goofy. Like four black yeah. four black vets go to Vietnam to find buried treasure. It's like, dude, you're on crack again. It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but look, it looks awesome, and I can't wait to watch it. So that's that's the end of our trailer talk segment. We now move on to movie news, and uh, we kind of got to start off with our you know, with our sad news because we. We had some. We, we lost two comedic greats over the last week. First of which is Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's father, uh, who I mean, most people know from Seinfeld. Uh, well, maybe most people probably know from Seinfeld. I would think. Yeah. But he, uh, you know, he also he had a bunch of roles in movies like Zoolander, uh, King. Of, uh, King. Of, I'm sorry, King and Queen is probably the other thing he'd be most most known for. Uh, Zoolander, Heavyweights, Hairspray. He was the dad in that. Is I think he was. I can't. I appreciate. I'm like 99 sure he was the dad in the hairspray. I uh, think. Let me let me just fact it. Okay, he was. He was. Okay, I'm not. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not crazy. Um, 
yes, yeah, so, so many things. He was ninety years old, uh, but either way, like he was, the dude, the dude was so the dude was so funny. Like, yeah, so, he was so incredibly funny. And yeah, there's there's not really any comedian like Jerry Stiller. I don't think there was any like father son comedic duo like Jerry and Ben. Cause like, no. Yeah, because I'm trying to think. I can't think of another like really like standout father son comedy duo. And, and not like they were a comedy duo, but like where you have like a father who's like super talented and a son who's also incredibly talented. Yeah, like two successful careers. Yeah, I'm sure there is one. Oh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe the Reiners, but they're not really known for comedians. They're not for being actors. And, and you can say the same thing, obviously, with the, like the Douglases too. But the, again, that's they're not. not for, yeah, um, they're not for being actors. That's yeah, not yeah. So yeah, so uh, we'll have to think about it. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure there's maybe a couple. I'm sure there is. Just, I just like off the top of my head, I just can't think of any right now. Uh, the other one we lost is. Was a surprising one to me. Uh, that was Mr. Fred Willard. Uh, Fred Willard, who was he did he had he had a career, man. I mean, cameos and everything, almost. You know. Yeah, I I know most from his Christopher Guest movies, Best in Show, which is absolutely hilarious. If you not if you've not seen Best in Show, go watch it. It's a great, great movie. Uh, Waiting for Guffman, which is which is also really good. Again, by Christopher Guest, uh, Mighty Wind, Christopher Guest. He he, I'll tell you this, he has. He has a record that'll probably never be broken. He is the only live action person to ever be in a Pixar movie. Look, I think. Unless I'm mistaken. Because, yeah, he, well, he played the president, Wally. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he and he, and he was in live action. So he, I, he I, I believe he's the only live action person to ever appear in a Pixar film. As of right now, I'm sure, I mean, later on down the road, who knows? Uh, they may just. They may just scrap that and just keep it for him, you know, because of everything. Who knows? Yeah, but yeah, this guy. If you look at his career, like it's it's insane. I didn't know. I didn't know he was eighty six years old. Yeah, because every time you saw him, it just he looked the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just. I mean, no, I know. I know. What you, I know what you, mean. He, you, you have those guys who are like he seven, aged well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he looked pretty. Even like when he got to the end of his, you know, the end of his ropes, he, he looked pretty good. Oh, absolutely! That's why that was such a surprise. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm not sure if I'm confused. I, I, I swear, he had like a TV show or something coming out like really soon, but I can't, I can't remember if it was him or not. Oh, wait a minute! That's right. He was supposed to be in Space Force. He is in Space Force. Oh my God, that's right. The okay, first, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that's what I was thinking because I was thinking season. the same thing. I was like, he's in something that's coming out like soon. Yeah, because like, Space I, Force. I, I that's right. He's in yeah, he's he's in the first season of Space Force, which we screwed up. We screwed up when we talked about it because that we we call it a movie. It's not a movie. It's a TV show. But that's what I thought too. And I, it was funny because I looked and it said season one. I'm like, what? Yeah, I, did, I thought I did, this was a movie. Yeah, it's so did I, but. <laughs> But both of us, but yeah, uh, he will be in the first season of Space Force, so we'll get to enjoy Fred Willard's comedic stylings one last time. Uh, but yeah, uh, Fred Willard, you were you were an underrated giant in the world of comedy. Actually, both literally and physically, he was a, he was a very big guy. Uh, and uh, rest in peace, sir. We will enjoy your comedic works for years and years to come. Uh, now, moving on to the rest of our news. Now, so we're, you know, we, you know, we got we got the sad stuff out of the way. So now we can have some we can have some fun. 
let's see what 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 do we what, what can we talk about? Oh yeah, so first of which is uh, the so oh I'm sorry, I misspoke. First of which is this. Uh, we talked a couple times about how AMC is in trouble as far as business wise goes, but now looking, it's looking like they may, like they may get some help from one Amazon. Yeah, I Amazon that, yeah. is looking is reportedly looking to buy AMC, which. Yeah, they would need someone big to buy them out. I think Amazon might be a good way to go at it. I mean, they got money, so I mean that's that's huge, though. I mean, that's that's definitely big. They had the money. I'm just, I'm just curious how, like, what what would it look like? Because Amazon makes movies now. Which, My thing is, would they be exclusive to AMC theaters? Maybe you know what I mean. May, maybe, but, but maybe they would get. Like, I don't know. Maybe they would get like priority in AMC theaters. And that's what I'm thinking. I mean, it could be a good move for their their uh, their brand. It could be, yeah. I'm just curious what it would look like if like a movie studio, because they're technically a movie studio now. What what it would look like if a movie studio owned the biggest theater chain in the world? I don't know. Yeah, that's gonna be curious to see what they do. If, you know, with that. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. I I I hope that I hope AMC survives because I love AMC. I love A List. I'm I'm a member, and I'd like that to come back. God, I miss theaters. Oh man, it's crazy. It's been like two months already. Theaters need a revival. Speaking of revival, yeah. uh, it looks like uh, Mike Flanagan, Doctor Sleep director, has recently uh, he has set up his next. I don't know if his next movie, but his next Stephen King movie, and that is a movie based on Stephen King's revival. Now, do you know? Do you know anything about this book? I do not. Neither did I. So apparently it's about a preacher whose wife dies and he goes to be a really fucked up carny. As okay. you do. As you do. I mean, only Stephen King could come up with that. Yeah, Stephen King. Uh, when when was this written? Was he on Coke? Oh, he was he was not on Coke when he wrote this. Okay, never mind. He was he was coming off the Coke. He's coming. <laughs> well, you know, he he'd been he'd been off the Coke for like a while at this point. It came, it came out in 2014. This 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 feels like 80 Stephen oh. King. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. The premise seems like young, young Stephen King. Yeah, this this seems like prime cocaine Stephen King. Oh yeah. But hey, look, uh, main reason I'm into this is because Mike Flanagan. He's already delivered two really good Stephen King adaptations. In uh, for sure. In uh, oh why am I why am I why am I blanking on this? Uh, Gerald's Game and Doctor Sleep. Both of, I like the both of them quite a bit. And yeah, definitely looking forward to whatever he's going to be doing next. I think he's, he's I think he's a really underrated director, as far as. As far as like horror goes, people people really sleep on him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see other thing. Other, let's see uh, other news. Uh, looks like a uh, UK has lifted the ban on filming. So, uh, The Witcher is going to resume filming, and so is the Batman, which we'll talk about again in a second. Oh yeah, that that whole thing. These people are going crazy. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think I think this is a good sign. Things are moving. Things are moving in a positive direction. Yeah, I think things are moving in a way that you know the world goes back to get back to normal. I think I also read that somewhere else is is going to start filming again. Oh, Matrix Four is set to start sh- restart shooting in July, which is okay. good. So yeah, I think this is a sign that things are kind of moving in the right direction, as far as you know, Corona. Kind of getting that under control, kind of you know learning to manage that. Unless, unless you have like social like social distance while filming, which in this case is gonna is gonna be a really funny area of movies. 
you got to splice the actors closer together because they can't be within like six feet apart. Be funny. Why? why or, or don't or don't even splice them together. Just like at, like show the way they're the way they're filming. It's like why why are they so why are they so far apart? I can't hear you, huh? <laughs> Uh, the other thing about the Batman that's been kind of catching a lot of heat recently is Robert Pattinson's uh, comments on his physical regimen for the role. Because it was said in a GQ article, he's not doing anything. Uh, so he's, <laughs> he's eating pie with Russell Crowe and John Reno. I was, I was just going to say that. <laughs> you beat me to it. Uh, here, here's the actual question. Because I wanted to make sure I didn't get this wrong. Because I, I actually do have, some, do have some things to say about this. The film studio hired a trainer who Pattinson felt with. I'm sorry. The film studio hired a trainer who left Pattinson with a basu ball, a single weight, and a sincere plea to use both. But right now, he says he's ignoring her. Quote I think if you're working out all the time, you're part of the problem. He says, sighing. By you, he means other actors. You set a precedent. No one was doing this in the 70s which is demonstrably not true. We'll get to that in a second. Even James Dean, who he wasn't exactly ripped. Pattinson called another, Zoe Kravitz, the other day and said she was exercising five times a week. Pattinson, Pattinson well, lit- literally, I'm just barely doing anything, he says, sighing again. So, yeah, he's really physically not showing much of a commitment to the Batman. Yeah. To which, okay, look, I will say Robert Pattinson probably weighs about a what, a buck seventy-five? Yeah, soaking wet. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so look, I will say the Batman does not need to be like this giant hulking, two hundred pound, like guy. Like you don't need to be in Henry Cavill shape to play this part. This but is, my thing is, like, even in the past, like, Michael Keaton wasn't jacked. Kilmer wasn't jacked. Well, Clooney yeah. wasn't jacked. Oh, I mean, Clooney was, but Clooney's Clooney. It's... Well, Clooney wasn't jacked to, like, body. Not, but, you not, know what not, I mean? Not like, like that. I mean, Affleck, sure. Affleck and I think Christian Bale were probably the better in, in shape Batmans. You know what I mean? Yes. As far as, like, muscular, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kick your fucking teeth in. Yes, they were the ones that, like, really did it. Yeah. But there's a. But, like, that. that's. My problem is not that he is not going to be like this giant meth. My problem is the studio, like, dude, you're pay- you're getting paid millions of dollars, and the studio is paying these people to help you. Fucking use them. Yeah, I mean, you got to utilize that. Yeah, utilize like I, I don't need if like I don't need you to be like a two hundred and thirty pound like hulking mass, but like if you like really just like put some time with the weights and like hey you know I'm, I'm like I'm like one hundred ninety pounds like yeah you know I'll take it it's fine whatever, but the fact that like you don't even seem interested in like I I I think that's a shitty attitude to have. Yeah, especially when I mean again kind of how you said I mean they're they're supplying everything he he doesn't even have to pay any of that money and he's getting paid to get in shape like it's. It's a win-win. I mean, look look what Kumail Nanjiani did when he was on Inhuman. Look how ripped he got. I don't need you to be that, but like, he, yeah. he put in the time. He put in the effort to do it. Yeah. And it's not like, and also this is like, like, no one was doing this in the seventies. Yes, they fucking were, because Christopher Reeve got incredibly bulk to play Super bulk. He got bulk. He he, he like he he really bulked out to play Superman. Like you can go and look up pictures of him working out. For Superman seventy eight, yeah, and yeah, he put in the time, he put in the work, and like the what was the other thing he said? 
even James Dean, he wasn't exactly great. James Dean didn't play a superhero. <laughs> Yeah, he played. He was only in four movies. Three. He played. He played regular. Three. He played regular men. So he yeah. looked like a regular man. <laughs> he didn't play like a gym owner or anything like that. Yeah. So I. It's, it's my issue isn't that he's not gonna be like this huge guy. My issue is that he's not putting in. He's not putting in the effort. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's crazy. But you know who is putting in the effort? Zoe Kravitz. She is putting in the work, and I appreciate you for that. I mean, even if she doesn't like, even if she's not in like, like incredible, like incredible, like was it was it gymnast Simone Biles type shape, like she, at least I know yeah. she put in some effort. I mean, like, hey, you you want to embrace an effort? Look at Gal Gadot before before Wonder Woman, and look at her after Wonder Woman. I I, I actually never looked at pictures like that, like her like transformation, but she she actually got like gained. A fair amount of muscle for that role. Yeah, I don't think it made her acting any better, but at least she, but at least she like put in the physical work. I can't, I can't fault her for that. I mean, you can see that there was a level of commitment there. There were. Now, I'm sh- I'm sure his performance is there. And I actually, say in the GQ article, he's he's studying like making up documentaries behind movies to see what his take on the Batman is going to be. And I appreciate that, but come on, dude, you're getting you're getting paid millions of dollars and you ain't paid millions of dollars in getting these trainers and nutritionists to work with you. Use them, or fu- or fuck, give them to me. I'll work out six times a day, so you don't have to. Yeah, seriously. And on top of it, getting paid to do it, though, man. You know exactly. Like it makes no it makes no fucking sense to me. No, it's it's absolutely it's it's really head scratching. Yeah. So, Pattinson, I'm sure it'll be a great Batman, but check check your attitude. That's all I gotta say. Uh, let's see. What's what 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 else is there in the news? Oh, <laughs> here's a good one. Uh, New Mutants has got a release date. The uh, again, fifth, the fifth one. <sighs> August twenty eighth, twenty twenty. Now we got to take bets on whether or not this is gonna make it. Because okay, look, if if no if no one has his way, theaters will be open in July. Even with that, does this make it to August? I don't. I don't know. I, I mean. Uh, I think at that point when theaters finally open, we'll see anything. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Only way it'll make money is if it's during a pandemic. Uh, it's like, fine, we'll go see it. I mean, I was going to see it regardless because I, I'm curious like what this movie is and why this, was, why this was pushed back so many times. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just... Well, I can't catch a break. This, yeah, poor, poor, poor movie. Uh, but... Yeah, so uh, you now, if people look forward to New Mutants, all two of you, uh, <laughs> you have a new date, August twenty eighth, twenty twenty. Whether it makes that or not, we'll see. Uh, sh- next story talking about oh, so Olivia Wilde has set the cast for her next film. Uh, it's gonna be called Don't Worry, Darling. Uh, no. The plot's not really known, but it's going to be described as a psychological thriller sitting around an unhappy housewife in the 1950s. And take a listen to this cast, man. Chris Pine, Florence Pugh, uh, Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, rumored, and Olivia Wilde might be in it herself. She's going to be directing it and uh, her writing team trying to... Okay, it's, a, it's some of her writing team from Booksmart's. 
uh, Silverman and the Van the Van Dykes, who did not work with our Bob and Buck Smart, but Katie Silverman did. So, yeah, well, I w- we were both pretty big fans of Book Smart. We liked that movie. Yeah. So I think uh, I think I'd, like this much of a departure, I think sounds sounds interesting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, especially with the cast. That's yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. I'd, I'd be curious. I mean, just on the premise alone, just on the cast, I'm more excited for this than I was Booksmart, and I and I like. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, just because it sounds so different, sounds like really intriguing, and yeah, like I said, the cast. So, uh, it looks really good. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to it. Something I'm not looking forward to is Avatar Two. <laughs> uh, Avatar Two released some set photos, or a set photo, which was a really weird one. It was, I think, it was kind of like, or like Sharon's like, "Hey, guess what? Uh, we 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 made this movie, guys. It, it's coming." Uh, it was, well, even that I don't believe it. It's Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana. Did did you see it? Uh, I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, it's Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Cliff Curtis, and Kate Winslet. They're all in a pool. They're covered in face dots. Yeah, and I did see that. The funny thing about this is like they're on like like dollar store like pool noodles, which like yeah. a million a multi million dollar film resorted to things I could buy for two dollars down down at the local Dollar Tree. Oh boy, I'm I'm still not convinced this movie is happening, but. I don't know. I don't know. This could be. I'm, I'm not convinced this, this isn't like an elaborate James Cameron pool party. <laughs> that's what this looks like. This looks like a movie. It looks like a pool party. It's an updated fire festival. <laughs> Where'd all this money go? I don't know. Oh, we got a we got a sandwich though. That's okay. Uh, but <laughs> a cheese sandwich. We got a cheese sandwich. <laughs> Give you lettuce, tomato, two slices of bread, and some cheese. Oh man. Uh, that I, I I I always find it funny to laugh at people who actually paid to go to that. Dude, I love. I, like I said, I I get I was so consumed with those um, documentaries. I absolutely there was one on Netflix called Fire, and then the other one was um, it was on Hulu. I can't think of what it was called Fire Fest, Fire something, or maybe yeah, I don't like, know. Yeah, it was like the, the greatest party that never happened. Yeah, it's it, but it's so intriguing. Like you just I don't know all these people paid all this money to you know for this this show or this idea and it just never happened it's just so uh yeah i don't know uh so <laughs> uh, uh next non-fire festival story uh <laughs> a scarface reboot has been in the works for several years now uh you know anton fuqua tried to do it david ayer tried to do it now we have our newest director step step into the plates call me by your names luca guadagnino yeah, I, I I don't get this one either. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, granted, I do think Luca is a really good director. I really like calling by your name a lot. Oh, I do too. Suspiria, I'm a little, I'm a little uneasy on. Well, not not uneasy, I'm just a little mixed on it. I think it's okay. Uh, I th- yeah, I, I don't think it holds a candle. Okay, granted, I know it's not trying to hold a candle to the original, but either way, like <laughs> I think it's. I I just think it is such a letdown, especially in comparison to his last movie. Uh, but yeah, start taking a crack at Scarface. He's not he's not the director I'd assume would <laughs> would uh, try to take on this role. Yeah, no, I I, I couldn't see that. Somebody that I, I would ju- would just make sense, Scorsese, man. Yeah, but I I just 
I mean, it would make sense. I just don't think Scorsese is interested. I mean, you would think because he's already done how many, you know, mobster gangster films. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he would. I'm sure he could take and do a great job with it. But I'm just thinking of like act, like directors now working that would. You know what I mean? That could do right. justice. No, no, I, 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 I don't disagree that he would be a good fit for it. I just think that I'd kind of like to see someone else try to take a crack at the gangster genre that way, you know, because, I mean, he's a guy who's only done gangster movies. Well, not, not only. Yeah, but for sure. I, I, but what about Affleck? Affleck would be pretty good at it. Kind of get it like a touch, of, a touch of the town. I could see Affleck doing this. I could see Affleck doing it. I think that I, would be I, good. I, I want him to make another movie. <laughs> Before my hair turns. Oh green. no! I absolutely yes, I absolutely do. Yes, yeah, so Affleck, Affleck could be, could be good, but I I would like to see Luca Guadagnino, Luca Guadagnino stretch these muscles. Kind of want to see what he can do. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely interested. I'm more interested in this than I was when David Ayer was on board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would I would be more curious to see yeah what Luca has to it, just because of the fact that like he's put out. I mean, Call Me by Your Name was fantastic, and I mean, yes, the spirit kind of you said it's kind of like yeah, but. Uh, yeah, you kind of want to see what he's going to do with this. I mean, I was I was really intrigued when Fuqua was on board because I really like Fuqua as a director. I was a little less enthused when David Ayer came on, and now I'm really I'm really back on board again because I uh, I do want to see what Luke Guadagnino can do. My question is, I'm curious what I'm curious if Diego Luna is still attached because he was supposed to play Tony Montana when oh. uh, when when Fuqua was on board. And I'm not sure if he jumped ship when Fuqua left, or I don't, I don't, I don't know. But either way, uh, we'll definitely, we'll definitely see. I'm definitely back on board with Fumi now, like I said. So, uh, something I, I'm also not quite on board with yet, but I've been told I should be. Uh, a new Percy Jackson series is coming to Disney Plus. A more faithful Percy Jackson series is what is what they're being billed as. Uh, no, I think Russell. I speak for both Russell and myself. We know jack shit about Percy Jackson. This would be fact. Yes. Yeah, neither of us know jack about Percy Jackson, but from people who are big fans of it, i.e., that I know. So I know PJ is a big fan of Percy Jackson. Uh, Paul's a big fan of Percy Jackson. I think Abby Friel is a big fan of Percy Jackson. Uh, I've been told that these books are really cool. <laughs> uh, I I have I read The Lightning Thief and that was good. The movie is okay. I think the movie just like it, it's just bland, honestly. <laughs> like it's it's just like every collection of every like protagonist steps into like a new world the cliche we've seen in movies at that point. So I'm down for this. I'm down for a new like show like like this as long as it has you know some unique vision. Yeah. Like. Like give us give us something with some kind of personality, you know. I agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I wish it would be like to a point where if the movies were like good enough to get you involved and want to know more about that type of, you know, what I mean, the the story and everything about it. You know what I mean? And I don't think that I never even saw the 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 the, the movie that came out. I just I never had a desire oh, the, to see it. The, the, the lightning thief. Yeah, I never saw it. It was it was okay. Like that was as yeah. the most I can say about it. It's, it's okay. The sequel is bad. Funny best thing about the sequel is the fact that he has he has this fucking sword. It's a pen he clicks it turns into this giant fucking sword. And he, what does he do? He hits people with the handle of it. 
It's like, good job, kid. Uh, what are you? What are you? What are you handicapping yourself on purpose? What um, that they only had two two movies out of that. Uh, yes, they they only got to two before the franchise was pulled. Oh, wow. Uh, so yeah, uh, they got to Percy Jackson, the Lightning Thief, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters. So what they're what they're gonna do with this show is like every season is gonna be based on one book. Oh, okay. What do you think is the right way to go about it? I mean, because you look at something like Lemony Snicket, which or Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events, which I do like the movie, but I do think it felt a little like it felt a little condensed. And because you think about mm-hmm. it, that's like a, a, I'm curious how many Lemony Snicket books there are, because like there are a ton of books in that franchise. Uh, let me. They're still making a show on Netflix, aren't they? With uh... I, I think they're at the final season. There, okay, let me count. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. There are thirteen books in that series. That's what I thought. I just wasn't wasn't sure. Huh. Yeah, there are thirteen books in that series into one movie. And that for adapting that much into one movie, they did an okay job. But like, I think the, I never, I never, never saw it again. It was one of those ones that was, eh, I don't know. The movie's actually better than than it had any right to be. But yeah, the show where they expand it and like, okay, we're gonna do like three episodes a book. I think that's the better way to go about it. And okay, the show, the show on, the show on uh, Netflix just wrapped. Okay. So yeah, uh, I I do think that's, I do think that's the proper way to go about it. Just really expand, really get into it, and yeah, kind of kind of try and come off not as a Harry Potter ripoff. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. But no, I, I think they can do it because there's actually some cool stuff in yeah. there. It's like kids and Greek gods. And demigods and stuff like that. So yeah. I, well, that gives you that, that gives you time to expand it without actually having to rush and cram and cut. You know what I mean? No, exactly. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, other news. Uh, oh, so Phil Lord and Chris Miller are set to direct uh, Andy Weir's Andy Weir. Yeah, Andy Weir's follow up to the he, he wrote the Martian. His follow up novel Artemis set to be a big screen adaptation. Artemis is the name of the book. And it's set to star Ryan Gosling as, yeah, because he's always doing these astronaut movies now. <laughs> uh, so let me see. Let, let me let me see what Artemis is about. Because I I read The Martian. I never read this book. Uh, sh- Artemis book. Let's see. This this book is about. Oh my God! No. <laughs> Oh, okay, never mind, never mind. So it's about a uh, the only city on the moon that follows the life of Potter and smuggler Jasmine Jazz Bashara. I, I feel like that's the only reason Gosling did this, because Jazz is in the title. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's apparently a conspiracy for control of the city. So it's kind of like a... Sci- so it's more... It's not so much like a grounded movie. It's more like a... It's more like a... At Astra, you know, kind of like a space exploration yeah. where we colonize like other planets and stuff like that. We colonize the moon. Yeah. And yeah, Gosling, Gosling going back to the moon. <laughs> Hello, old friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, Phil Lord, Chris Miller, I think they these guys are really good directors. Uh, I've liked, I've liked everything they've done so far. I liked uh, the Lego Movie and both Jump Street films. That's, I think that's the extent of that filmography, isn't it? Those three films? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, so uh you hear this premise and you hear Lord Miller attached to it. What do you what do you what do you think? Are you looking are you intrigued by Artemis? Uh 
Yeah, no, I am. Um, I, I like the Martian and kind of how you said. So, I mean, it's one of those things where you kind of curious to see what you know what the premise is of this and what they're going to do. You know, with, with that. But uh, yeah, no, for sure, I'm intrigued. I mean, Gosling's a good actor. I mean, it should be it should be good. Yeah, no, it should, should, should definitely be good. And again, Academy Award winning directors now. Yeah. And uh, next, what we're talking about is uh, our, our good buddy Adam Sandler, <laughs> who <laughs> has set his next Netflix movie with the help of one NBA superstar, LeBron James. So uh, uh, Adam Sandler will play about American basketball scout who, after being unjustly fired, discovers a talented player abroad and decides to bring him to the U.S. to prove that they both have what they can make to the NBA. So A.K.A. Moneyball, but with ba- with basketball. No, not Moneyball. Oh, Million Dollar Arm. Million Dollar Arm is the name of the movie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I do think that I'm not sure if this is part of his whole Netflix deal. It should be because this actually actually sounds semi promising. Opposed to his other ones. Yeah. And uh, look, maybe this is maybe Uncut Gems was like Adam Sandler turning a corner because like we both came off really high on that movie. Really high on his performance. We both adored it. And, yeah, we want to see him continue to do more of that as opposed to the comedy he's been doing for the last, like, 25, 30 years. <laughs> yeah, it's time. I mean, it's fun once in a while, but it's like you got to go you gotta go different different routes. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so that that's uh, that's what's going down next. Um, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it just because it sounds different. It sounds interesting. And, yeah, uh, last what we're talking about is HBO Max is right around the corner. And uh, they've released a they released a bunch of movies gonna, that are going to be on this thing. So Joker is going to be one of the big ones to headline this thing. Also coming up, uh, Lord the Lord of the Rings movies are going to be on this service. A bunch of classics like Cool Hand Luke, Citizen Kane, Casablanca, Bonnie and Clyde, uh, Rebel Without a Cause. Speaking of James Dean, that'll be on here. Uh, See how we tie that in. <laughs> uh, Wizard of Oz, The Wild Bunch. Uh, they're going to get some Criterion Collection stuff, which is actually really interesting because I want to watch a bunch of that. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're leading out with a lot. They're leading out with a lot of stuff, like leading really heavy into like classic fi- like classic film and like really like obscure stuff, which is, which is cool. And that, I think that'll do a lot to make them competitive with Disney+, Plus, which is, I think, like yeah. the, the big streaming service and well, on Netflix, but yeah, Netflix got to make some moves. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, I think both of us are definitely signing up for this, right? Yeah, I mean, what, what is the um, what's the uh, price a month? Uh, so I think it's usually fourteen ninety nine, but they're running a special right now where it's eleven ninety nine. Uh, maybe I I might I, we're, we're subscribed to so many damn things though. Yeah, uh, that's but, the thing. I mean, it would be it would be something I'd absolutely sign up for though. Yeah, there's there's so mu- there's so much on this that I want to see. There's no way I can't sign up for it, especially with the Snyder cut. Dun, dun, dun. Which yeah is being rumored to be on this. <laughs> I'll believe it because even I'm hearing even I'm hearing from some people that think it's gonna be on it. I'll believe it when I see it. Dude, the Snyder cut would be the I would that would be the selling point. I'd be like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's the one. Let's do it, man. Talked about for how long now? Let's just do it. Sure, why not? If it'll if it'll shut if it'll shut people up, sure, just do it. <laughs> Nike, just do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so 
I'm, yeah, I'm signing up. I'm signing up for this thing. We're set to launch in May 27th. There's a lot of noise coming from Russell's end. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cutting this out, by the way. <laughs> no, you don't have to. It's no, all good. Uh, yeah, set to, set to launch May 27th. And yeah, you sign up. You sign up now. You'll get it for eleven eleven ninety nine a month for twelve months. And last story we're talking about. This one just broke today, and I and I Loki kind of love it. Uh, in addition to Nicolas Cage, uh, the Tiger King miniseries has found its Carol Baskin in the form of Oh God, yeah, in the form of Tara Reid. Oh, man. Uh, which, okay, it's not confirmed yet, but she's rumored to be the one to take on the role. Now, I think this is a perfect casting. You, oh, you do? Yes. I don't know. I do. I don't know. I liked, um, what did they have? Kristen Wiig originally attached to it, didn't they? I, uh, did they? Maybe, but either way. I, <sighs> or somebody I, like that. Either way, I, I prefer Tara Reid. Only time i said that in my life. I prefer Tara Reid. I mean, she's been so dormant, so yeah, maybe, yeah, who knows. But she also she also looks a lot like Carol Baskin. She does, no face wise, yeah, for sure. Face wise, and yeah, I do think what 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 a uh, uh, dirty redneck from the south. Yeah, it's perfect for Tara Reid. Yeah, I'm 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 this this is getting me more intrigued. I still need to watch Tiger King. I haven't watched it yet. <sighs> what are you waiting for? I know. I just I I, I think kind of I think I kind of missed the boat on it. Honestly. <laughs> That's, that's a that's a that's a thing. Like you only have like a small window to do it, and then it, like the hype's done. It's like yeah. Some, something else that I haven't watched yet that you did, and you can talk about it right now is the Last Dance. I have not watched that. Yeah. So yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. talked talked about the, for really briefly about the Last Dance. This pretty much just touches on uh, the whole you know '90s of the Chicago Bulls dynasty. You know the '91, '92, '93 champs, and then coming back again and winning '96, '97, '98. They dub it the last dance because Phil Jackson and the owner, Jerry Cross at the time, said that they weren't going to bring back Phil Jackson, which is absolutely asinine when you think that, you know, this team has won six or well, at the time, won five championships within that decade. And the decade hadn't even been over yet. You know what I mean? Um, So they dub it the last dance because it's pretty much Phil Jackson's kind of like seeing like the light at the end of the tunnel saying this is pretty much going to be like the last ride for this team. Um, which again <laughs> didn't have to be. That's it, that's the amazing part about it. But um, it's a ten part, you know, it's a ten part series. They're about a, eh, about fifty minutes a piece, and it just kind of documents that whole entire '90s of that, but really focuses on on that '98 season with uh, you know Jordan uh, departing the uh, the Bulls being imminent. But yeah, it's fantastic. It's a really good, really good documentary. You know, I encourage anybody who, you know, likes sports or even doesn't like sports. It's a really well shot documentary. It bounces in, it goes back and back and forth with like the timeline and stuff like that. But it really holds your attention. Yeah. So uh, I I haven't watched it yet, but I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. He's my favorite basketball player of all time, like a lot of people. Uh, I I I think he's the best. So yeah, I'm definitely I definitely want to want to check out. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. It's something you watch, you'll be consumed by. Because I, I, on the other hand, wasn't like... I mean, I liked the Bulls a little bit like when I was younger. I did. And then I just kind of like fell out of it. I think it was just because of the fact that it was just like... Kind of how like what most people do when they... You know, people win, 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 win. It's like you get kind of tired seeing the same... You know what I mean? Seeing the same thing. And then like 92 happened. And then I kind of liked... You know, I started uh, watching Shaq and the, the Magic. And I kind of just started falling, you know, for them. 
So it was one of those things. But anyway, what I'm what I was trying to say is, r- regardless, I mean, it, it holds your attention. You know what I mean? And it's right. one of those things when you watch the first episode, you really get you really buy into it. Yeah, and actually, you know, I, I I lied because there's one more thing I forgot to talk, forgot to touch base on. There is <laughs> one before we get to the one more thing because actually, it's pretty big news. Uh, Scream Five with the U direction version up was confirmed, and we got our first cast member set to come back. David Arquette will be reprising his role as Dewey Riley. I think that's his name, right? Dewey Riley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dewey Riley in the new Scream film. Now, I think this is it was big for a lot of people. One, it confirmed that this is in fact a sequel. It is not a reboot. Like it's not a remake. It's not a yeah know, telling a scream. Which is, I mean, which is comforting in that fact, I guess. Yeah. My question is, like, I'm a little, I mean, not concerned, but I kind of have a, you know, the theory on where this is going. Like, what do you do for a story is kind of what I'm, well, you know what I mean? Because what does is, what is Scream do every time? It takes an actor who you would assume is going to be in the movie the entire time and kills them right at the start. I have a feeling Dewey's going to be the first one to get killed in this movie. I mean, he's like OG, though. It's like, I feel like, uh it's like because it was like pretty much it was Sydney, uh, Gail, and Dewey were pretty much like the the trio that kind of stood intact, you know. Well, yeah, I right. don't know. I mean, Ra- Randy should survive those those three movies. But. Oh, dude, Ray, I'm so mad about that. I, I was still, I'm still not, still haven't forgiven them for doing that in Scream Two. Yeah, honestly, I, I I do not get the thought process behind killing Randy at all. Such a, he was my favorite character, and I never forget like that whole scene with the van. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe this. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, but I'm sure we'll talk about the Scream movie at some point. But yeah, so uh, yeah, definitely excited to see David Arquette come back to the Scream universe. Uh, no word on Nev Campbell or Courtney Cox, but we'll see. I'm sure they'll be back. Uh, so that, that that brings us to the end of Notorious News. Now we now go on to the movie of the week, uh, 1967's. So The Graduate came out in '67, and with the second directorial feature of Mike Nichols after Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And yeah, I can see why this was why this and Carrie went so back and forth because I think Carrie has the m- better bad mom behavior to look at. Oh yeah, without a doubt. But at the same time, this is the more interesting movie to analyze. I and think. I would agree. Yeah, and like, we're not gonna we're not gonna bear the lead here. I think I think this one was fucking excellent. Oh yeah, the movie's just fantastic, top to bottom. Yeah. And you know we'll get to why in a second. There's a lot of there, there's a lot of bad mama here to look at, but we'll get to why as we go through the movie. And let's not waste any time. This is the Graduate. So we start off with our titular character, the Graduate, Ben Braddock, played by Dustin Hoffman, in his only second movie of all time, and even his first as a lead, returning from college. Uh, this is the first instance of the sound of silence playing. Something that happens multiple times about the movie. We'll we'll tie that back in. At the end, at the end, uh, there also is a sign that I didn't notice the first time I saw it. Uh, is when the luggage is going, it says "Do they match?" That's kind of a bit of foreshadowing for the ending of the movie, and we'll get we'll get to, we'll get to why later. And uh-huh. we see that he is he's he's feeling a little down, feeling a little empty, you know, feeling like a little unsure of himself. He's dad. He doesn't know what he wants. He's a guy who he just graduated college and he doesn't know what he wants to do. He's got an entire life ahead of him and he doesn't know what he wants to do with it. All he knows is he wants it to be different. Yeah. And I will say, Dustin Hoffman, for being such so young in his career, such a young actor at this point, 
he's so he's really good in this movie. Oh, for sure. Like he is really believable as this, you know, you know, as Ben coming out of college without really any life experiences, you know, that we see. You know, I mean, he 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 yeah, he goes through the motions of things. Yeah, go go do this, go do that. Like kind of doing what other people are telling you to do, but yet you yourself just don't have any idea where you yourself want to go. You know what I mean? You're just being told what to do and you know where to go. And it's like he doesn't he doesn't have that drive. He doesn't he doesn't know. You know, it's it's a common thing, you know. Yeah, and like you, you go like he's he's there he's he's there for his uh, you know, return party where all the parents' friends are there and they're all like, you know, bragging to him, but like they don't come across like they have his best interest in mind. They're just like they kinda just wanna like elevate their own status. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. I I really I really do admire the way. And by the way, this whole movie shot, but this sequence in particular, to where like it's shot where you're kind of going along with Ben for the ride. Like you like you feel like you're you're in you feel like you're in that room with him. Like you like you feel like you're with you're in his point of view. Yeah. At this point of the movie, it's also where we, where we see the other well, one of the other main characters in the movie, Mrs. Robinson, played by Anne Bancroft. Who was this movie really kind of helped jumpstart a second career for her? Because yeah. she she had a she had a really good career before this, but this one really kind of kind of brought her back into the mainstream. And she had she and for Dustin Hoffman to go up against a, a newcomer to come up against like a really like established actress like this, like and to hold his own the way he does, I think is very impressive. Oh, for sure. I mean, and the chemistry that they have, you know, back and forth really helps drive this film as well. Yeah, so he basically, basically comes in, he's, and she's like, hey, look, my, my husband took the car. I want to go home. Can you drive me? He, dri- he drives her. And he's like, can you come? Can you come? Want to come in for a drink? He's like, oh, I don't know, Mr. Robinson. And the way, the way he's acting in this scene, he's just so, he's so uncomfortable. He's so nervous, he's so, yeah. He's so neurotic. Like, yeah, like all times are very short. He, he he uses the word Mrs. Robinson a lot, and I do. Say, yeah, like, this movie is actually like, quite funny because I I do. It it does lead to a lot of great, to a lot of uh, great uh comedic moments. Like I do like the one later where he just like help me unzip my dress. It's just like I'm gonna go now. Bye. <laughs> yeah, because again. But we see why those, because of the fact that he doesn't really have all the experience that you think a co- you know what I mean that you would think a you know college graduate would, I mean I guess have, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so, so yeah, he goes in, he helps her unzip her dress. They have, they have a drink, and this is where we get the famous line like, "Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me." <laughs> this is one of the things I knew about the movie, like even before I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, so this is right, right before they have sex, right?" No, no, it's not. This is just before. This is just like a line that's said, and it doesn't even yeah. really go anywhere. It's kind of just like a running joke throughout the rest of the scene. And it's just like, "Do you do you want do you want me to seduce you?" <laughs> and so she's she's just like trying everything. Where it's like, "Hey, I left my I left my purse downstairs." <laughs> okay, uh, I'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> this like, He's like I'll throw it up. I'll throw it up. I'll, I'll throw. I'll throw it up. I'll leave it at the top step. I'll leave it in Elaine's room. And then like he goes into Elaine's room and she comes in. She's naked. She locks the door. And I love. I really love the way the scene is edited because it's edited in a way where like you're seeing what Ben is seeing. Because like every time yeah. he looks, every time he looks in her direction, it cuts to a different. It cuts like really briefly 
to a different part of her body. Yeah. So yeah, like I do think Mike Nichols did a great job of like putting you into Ben's perspective in this scene. And it, you can tell because like you as the audience, like we as like seeing it, like how Ben is seeing it is so nervous because he's really never seen that before. You know what I mean? And it, right. it's like you're taking it in so fast that you don't know what the hell you're, you know what I mean? You're looking at it real fast. And I, I do like how they like it goes like boom, 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 like with the with the shots. Yeah, it's like, it's like really brief. I'm sure like a lot of the yeah. moments were paused by, you know, young kids. Uh, and during, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, on the, on the VHS. Uh, but he's, she's, she's basically just like, hey, look, if you don't want to sleep with me now, it's okay. You, if, you, if, you ever, if you ever want to, you know, try this again, just give me a call. And we're going to be good. <laughs> uh, and then Mr. Robinson comes home, played by Murray Hamilton, the mayor from Jaws. Who, yeah. who looks no different now than when he would in 1975. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he closed the beaches now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. If he had Christopher Nolan on board, I don't know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so they, so yeah, he's talking to him. He's talking about how he has daughter, the daughter Elaine. He goes to Berkeley. He's coming down. He comes down. Why, why, why don't you take her out next time she comes down? And just like the yeah, in like you said, the, the way he, the way Hoffman like physically portrays discomfort in this, I think is rather impressive. Especially when he leaves and the it, house, he's just like goodbye, Mr. Robinson. It is just so funny that Mr. Robinson, like, it's so funny how they're like really trying to like play matchmaker here. You know what I mean? Um, it, even because it, even we'll talk about it later on with uh, Ben's dad. You know, they're really trying to play a matchmaker for Ben, try to get him a uh, girlfriend. But yeah, you could see how awkward like his conversation is with Mr. Robinson during this back and forth that they have. Yeah, they cut to the next day. We see that that uh, Ben's dad played with us. They played by William Daniels, Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. Uh, they're there for his twenty-first birthday, <laughs> and I guess I'm not sure what this is. I'm not sure this is some kind of tradition or this is this is such a random. This is you should be drinking alcohol. Yeah. So. <laughs> He's there. He's giving a speech, just trying to talk to his dad, but his dad's not hearing it. I guess as part of his 21st birthday, he has to go into his pool in scuba gear. Which is, I no is he so, has like a harpoon. Yeah, he has like a harpoon. I'm not sure what he's supposed to do when he's down when he's in the water. This is this is this is definitely a random scene in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, but like I mean, it works for the symbolism, but it's like as far as like what is this supposed to be? As far as like you know, in the context of the story, I'm. A little confused, but anyways, uh, he he has to go into the water, and I, what I, I do like again the way Mike Nicholas shoots, shoots this movie, like it's shot. This whole scene is shot like when Ben is introduced, it's shot from his point of view. So like yeah. all you see is he, all you see is like the hole from his from his goggles, and yeah. all you hear is his breathing. Yeah, yeah, and then he just goes into the water and just hangs out down there. And wa- water is also like a big thing in this movie, which again we'll touch on again at the very end. But after this, he calls Mrs. Robinson, and he's just like, "Hey, you know what? Why don't we just meet at this hotel, the ta- the Taft Hotel?" Uh, so he goes in, and uh, Mrs. R- Mrs. R- he waits there for Mrs. Robinson. She gets there. Also, something I think is very effective in this, usually this movie. They never give her actual name. She's always mm-hmm. just called Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. Which I think kind of. I think kind of goes into the bigger themes of this film, which yeah, say say it for the end. So uh, she goes in. They meet her. He meets her in the hotel bar, 
And something I think that works really well about this movie is the fact that the relationship between the two of them, they're so polar opposite. Like, Ben is just so, like, in his own head, just so, like, just, so, just such, a, such a, like, a nervous, neurotic guy. Whereas when Mrs. Robinson walks into a room, like, you notice. Like, when she walks into a room, she owns everything and everyone in that room. She has yeah. such an attitude about her. And it just comes with the experience, though. You know what I mean? It just comes with that, you know, with the territory. Like, she has, you know, she's she's confident. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and Bancroft got an Oscar nomination for her role in this movie, and it's a well-deserved one at that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, they get a hotel. They get a hotel... Uh, he goes. He goes upstairs, and <laughs> we see maybe the most awkward kiss in movie history. Oh, yeah, which it's which is kind of designed to be that. Which I I do I do love her face when he does this. He's looking he's looking at this like uh okay. It's like he's kissing a dead fish. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, can you can you get me can me uh I, I was like the part with the hangers like give me a hanger for my coat like, yeah. Uh, wire or wood? It's like, doesn't matter. Just grab the wood. He can't do it. <laughs> yeah, because it's like literally like bolted onto the. It's like put onto the thing. He's like, oh, oh guess, guess we got to use the uh, wire. Yeah. So uh, he's he's and you know, he's about to he's about to you know go through with it. He's like, okay, he has, he has second thoughts. He's like, I, I I can't do this, Mrs. Robinson. He's like, well, do you not find Mrs. Robinson? Oh no, Mrs. Robinson, you're the most attractive of all my parents' friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, and then uh, Mr. Robinson gets instilled in his head that uh, she thinks she's a virgin, and he's like, he's like, that's not the case. And you see what she's doing; she's really trying to like get inside his head and kind of let, like get him a little angry. Yeah. So that way he can just like take like, just take him halfway with her, and, and it works because he falls for it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, this is where the second uh, instance of sound of silence occurs. So. Uh, this is one where it's going where it's it's like over a period of time. It's something you wouldn't notice until the song after this. Uh, this affair this affair goes on for several months. Yeah, yeah, and I do love the way that the staging of the scene because it transitions almost seamlessly between the hotel room with the Taft to uh, Ben in his house. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I just really admire the way this movie shot as a whole, and the way it's edited, it's just fantastic. It's it's almost like when you're watching, you're like, wait a minute, like you actually have to go back and think about it for a second because kind of how you said how like effortless, effortless, effortlessly, la la la, I can't even talk. Um, Nichols does cut that, you know what I mean? The transition of him coming out of the, you know, in the bathroom, and then boom, he's in the hotel room. You know, just it it, it just flows perfectly. Yeah, so uh, we find out that uh, basically what he's been spending his time doing, not like trying to further his life, but just you know having late night meals with Mrs. Robinson. Uh, even his dad getting sick, he's just like, "Hey, you need to, you need to get out. You need to do something." While he's while he's sitting on the pool again, water very important. Uh, cutting and the next scene takes place back in the hotel room. It's where you know Ben is just like, "Hey, you know, do you want to just like talk a little bit before we just you know go at each other?" and we find we find out a little bit more about Mrs. Robinson's insight. We already knew she was an alcoholic when early in the film, but we find out now. The dog agrees. We find out now <laughs> that that's uh, Conway. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Robinson. We find out that her Mrs. Ro- Mrs. Robinson's marriage isn't exactly in the best place. They sleep in se- separate bedrooms, and they never were never really that into each other. Like they only got married because she got pregnant. Yeah, which is something she obviously divulges to 
Ben and Ben gets, and I, I like this scene too, where Ben gets so, he's like a little kid. He's so curious about as to how, like, why, like, where, where were they when, when they, you know, conceived Elaine and everything, you know what I mean? He's just like prodding questions and asking away. Right. And yeah. And, uh, another thing about the scene is the fact that a lot of it is shot in the dark. Yeah. So a lot of the, di- so a lot of the dialogue is just come through as dialogue, but it's so it's given in a way that you can you can hear the lines and just see the actor's facial expressions while they're giving them. It's yeah, a, it's a really interesting way to shoot to you know do a scene like this, and I yeah, I, 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 agree. I, I really admire it. So uh, you know they talk about her her daughter, and he's just like, hey, you know your daughter's coming in town, just like should I take her out? He's like, no. She's like very adamant about it, and they get into like a little fight. They get into a little fight over it. And he's just like, I don't want you seeing my daughter. Yeah. And which understand understandably so. So yeah. Like even for even towards the next day, like like uh, he's in he's hanging out in the pool with his parents, and he's just like, Hey, I'm not gonna take out Elaine Robinson. And he's like, Okay, well, how about this? We'll invite all the Robinsons over for dinner. <laughs> and that's like, Oh, fine, I'll take her out. That changes the tune real quick. It's like, fine, I'll just take her out. Yeah, so the next so the next scene he goes into he goes to the Robinson's place to pick up Elaine. And just the way the what's the way Mrs. Robinson looks at him. Just she's just like, What like what are you what are you doing, idiot? I thought I thought we talked about this. Yeah, like if looks could kill. Yeah, if if if, if looks can kill, Benjamin Braddock would be dead six times over. Yeah. And so something I something I really find effective about this scene is the fact that what it's she's not even looking at him. For a lot of this, yeah, I get a scene where like he sits down on the couch next to him, next to her, and she's just like looking at the TV. She she will not even look in his direction. Yeah, it doesn't even like give him the time of day. Yeah, he's trying to justify. He's just like, hey, look, this or dinner party with all of us, and I'm not ready to deal with that. Yeah, and he's just like it's like it's gonna be fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take her out, take her to dinner, to bring her back. Nothing's gonna happen. It'll be cool. Uh, so he go he goes out. Uh, they, they, he goes out with Elaine. Elaine's played by crap. I'm trying to think. I no. Ka- Catherine. Catherine. Ross. Well, Catherine Ross. I was thinking Eileen Woods. That's not it. Catherine Ross. Who? She's someone who is very. Her performance is very much kind of gone ignored over the yeah. past over the past couple decades. Because you know everyone talks about Hoffman or Bancroft, but. She deserves just as much credit. I just also not more. She might be, she might be my favorite performance in this entire film. No, she is good. It does get overshadowed between Hoffman and Bancroft. And I'll tell you what, what hooks me is her first scene. So the first scene, like Ben's acting like or he's acting like a bit of a douchebag. Yeah. He's trying to play like macho machismo guy. Yeah, like the very first day, he takes her to a strip club. He he has about the same uh he's just like almost uh, De Niro's character in Travis, Taxi Driver. Travis Bickle. Yeah. Like so, like a completely awkward first date. You know what I mean? Things that it's like the no, it's like the big no no. You know. But I'll tell you what, what. What hooks me with uh, Catherine Ross' performance is this scene where like the girls behind her doing like her tassel trick. Yeah. And then you just see her. She's looking down. And she just like sheds a tear. And that scene just break broke me. That scene breaks yeah. me every time. Because you just feel so bad for her. Yeah, because she feels so awkward and doesn't want to be, you know, in that situation, you know? 
yeah, from then on, like I'm I'm behind her character hundred percent. Like she's she's fantastic in this film. And then she's just like, Hey, look, let's get let's get a do over. Let's go to a drive in or a, 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 yeah, no a drive in. So where you drive in, get a cheeseburger, the trays. No minorities are allowed. <laughs> I mean literally there's there is not a single brother in this scene. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they so yeah they uh they go in. They actually have they actually have some good chemistry. Yeah, they do. And I th- you can tell like that's what Mrs. Robinson was afraid of. Yeah, that she was afraid of the fact that they would hit it off and have that type of chemistry. Yeah, so they uh, decide to go to the Taft, which is one of the. Or no, not not one of that's the, the the hotel that they had. Just like, oh yeah, we can go have a drink at the Taft. And with well, as soon as you said that, he just swerves and hits the hits the curb. Yeah, my thing is, it's like, uh, isn't there any other hotel with bars there? Yeah, I mean, like, are are there any other bars? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why do we have to go to this hotel for a bar? Like, that's crazy. And something I like is the fact that he comes clean about the fact he's having an affair like the first night, or he was having an yeah. affair. Yeah, because he wants to. Because he knows that if it's gonna, if this is gonna progress or anything like that, he's gonna have to come clean to what he's actually doing. But he does kind of muddle it up a little bit, like uh, as a married woman that has a son. Yeah. Obviously, you know what I mean to kind of like try to muddle it up to her not to think that you know. Obviously, it's it's her. her yeah, mom. she's like, she's like, is it over? Yes, yes, it is. It's like, you want you want to go out tomorrow? I do. So. Uh, Again, going at Mrs. Robinson, Mrs. Robinson's wishes, he he goes back the next day to take her out, but Mrs. Robinson gets in the car and just like drive. He's like, okay, like okay, I'll drive. So he is like, I forbid you to see Elaine again. He's just like, if you keep seeing her, I'm going to tell her everything. And he's like, you would, yeah. but you kind of sense that maybe she would. Yeah, because she's like calling his bluff, but then he knows that she probably would do it, but just because. We've seen her so far in this film as that type of character that would is very brash and wouldn't have a problem saying that. Yeah, I do believe she would do it. So she runs back to the house real quick, and she's just like, "I do. I love the way the scene goes down because it's like there's something I need to tell you. It's about the woman who I'm having an affair with. There's something you should know about her. And he never says that it's your mother. The way they she re- disappears, the way, the way she's re- in the shot. Yeah, the yeah. way they reveal it, they cut back to Mrs. Robinson standing in the open door, and then yep. they cut back to uh, Elaine's face. It's out of focus, but then when it focuses up, it's just shock and terror, and he's just like, she's just like, oh my god. I, I think that's such a brilliant way to show a character reveal like that. It is, and we, yeah, kind of how you said, yeah, without actually him saying, hey, you know, it's your mom, she appears perfectly in that scene at that reveal point, and yeah, it's just, it's perfect. Yeah, it's in, it's in my favorite shot in the entire movie, of her finding out what yeah. happens, and, you know, you see, she kicks, she gets mad, she, she <laughs> reasonably gets pissed, she, yeah. she uh, kicks Ben out, and then we see Mrs. Robinson standing I'm standing in. I'm not sure if you got this interpretation. Standing in the exact same position Ben was when he was in the scuba gear in the pool. Did did, did you get no. that? No. What? Okay. Wait, walk me through that again. When she's up. When she's when Mrs. Robinson's up against the wall, she's standing in almost the same way Ben was standing when he was in the pool earlier in the film. You mean underneath the water with the harpoon? Yeah. 
I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't look at that. I'd have to go back and check it. it, it maybe that, maybe that's just me, but that, but that was my, that was my interpretation of it. No, I mean it's yeah for sure. Uh, we see that of course the, the family of course splits up. Elaine goes back to Berkeley. Uh, he spends the next who knows how long stalking her. Yeah, again, that's the where the time's a little muddled there because I mean you don't everything you know what I mean just Scarborough, Scarborough just happens. Scar- Scarborough Falls. Scarborough Falls. Oh, I'm telling you, I think it's like three. I want to say it's like three times. Well, that was the first. That was the first instance. Yeah. So uh, cutting back, he's uh, he goes to his dad. Just like I'm going to marry Elaine Robinson. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> they're so happy. They're like, yeah. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Was that like? <laughs> you, you talked to her? I mean, you, you said a date with her? No. I actually haven't talked about the marriage. And they're just like, uh, what? It's like, yeah, nobody knows this is actually going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. This, this, this is the plan that I figured out. Like, yeah, huh. I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of what I thought, you know, no big deal. Don't worry, don't worry, Dad. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. I think this is the second part of, I think it's the second part where they're playing Scarborough Falls, isn't it? Yeah, like I said, they're not playing it from the beginning, but they, it, it, you're still listening to this song. Like, yeah, you, you Scarborough, quite Scarborough a bit. fair enough. Scarborough Falls, I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, he he goes he goes to Berkeley. He gets a uh, he gets a temporary living situation. Continues to follow Elaine, uh, and then and then uh, he gets off. He goes to the zoo. He's finding he's meeting she's meeting someone there, uh, who she's kind of sort of involved with. Which I mean, which tells you that a little bit of time have ha- had to have passed, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Uh, then, then Elaine goes to meet him at her place. So she asks, so she asks him what's going on. So we find out that because Ben has been gone, Mrs. Robinson kind of been controlling the narrative, and it turns out that she told everybody that Ben raped her, which is completely crazy. Yes, it's completely crazy, but it's the kind of thing that Mrs. Robinson would do. Like, yeah, because she's so like you know vindictive like that that she wants to come out looking like she is like a million dollars and that it, nothing was her fault. But like in the scene where Ben is trying to explain everything, we're trying to explain everything to her and she's just like, no, no, no. And then she just screams bloody murder. Oh yeah. Like that, like that's the one thing that stuck with me after this movie. Just like her, her scream will never be erased from my mind. So yeah, uh, rightfully the entire building gets alarmed. Just like what's going on. Like everything's fine. Everything's fine. And the <laughs> landlord, for the first time, threatens to kick him out. Or sorry, he wa- he tells him he's leaving. He tells him he's kicking him out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is where they kind of start to kind of kind of start to talk to talk about like what's like you know, what's going down between the two of them. And you re- and you realize that like you know maybe she's trying she's starting to come around on him. And just like I don't want you to leave not yet not until you have a plan figured out. So she spent this. The next couple parts of the movie is them kind of reconciling. Ben trying to get Elaine to marry him. Yeah, yeah. They already, already, ready for, already ready for marriage. Yeah, no big deal. No big deal. Uh, so, yeah. So he's trying to get him to. <laughs> it, it, she's following him around school. I do like the scene where he follows her into class, and then he stays in the exact same spot the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, we find out we find out that she also promised to maybe marry the guy she was at the zoo with, or she met at the zoo. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, comes the 
I guess the final conversation between uh, Ben and Mr. Robinson. She's he's there waiting in his apartment. <laughs> which either which, worst worst landlord ever. Why are you letting all these strangers into his apartment? Seriously, <laughs> just like I do like the thing where he's just like, uh, like, do you not have respect? For, do you not have respect for me, Ben? It's like, well, no. After seeing what you did to the beaches in Amity Island, no, I don't have respect for you. Yeah. Where he's he basically just telling, we basically is like threatening me, just like, uh, yeah, uh, my daughter's not going anywhere near you. Uh, uh, my daughter's not going anywhere near you. You stay away. Goodbye. And we see the next day that he's taking her off to marry that blonde doctor guy. Or, well, actually, yeah, no, like that's 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 where he's taking off. And she, he doesn't even get told face to face. Like by the time he goes to Berkeley the next day. She's already gone. Actually, it's not even the next day. It's like within a couple hours. Yeah. Because <laughs> Lionel's like, I want you out. And then he just like, immediately leaves. And like his, her roommate brings down a note. He's just like, I'm sorry. Couldn't sorry, I couldn't work out between us. But my dad's having me marry the other guy. Then he, he, go, he, goes, back to, he goes back to her house. Technically breaks and entering. <laughs> yeah, a little beanie. Little, little, little light beanie. To where like Mrs. Robinson and Mrs. Robinson's attitude towards Ben is now completely changed, understandably so. Well, yeah. So to where like it's it's an interesting thing because he's being treated like the villain of this story, but and honestly, as much as as many morally irreprehensible things he has done, he's not the bad guy here. Yeah, and it's like you you get like both sides of like Mrs. Robinson's like acting like you know is it is it because of the fact that she's mad that they can't continue this affair or is it like jealousy because he's he's going to be choosing uh Elaine over her you know what i mean so there, you get kind of both sides of that there's a lot of layers to this and we'll get yeah we'll yeah. talk about it in the end but yeah uh he's, he's trying to chase down he tries to find the chapel <laughs> he finds out where they're getting married uh, his his car is his, he's going there. His car breaks down, so he's he's kind of like a madman to find this wedding. Uh, his car breaks down the side of the road, so he has to run all the way to the chapel. Uh, he does. Granted, Tom Cruise we got there half the time, but you know Dustin Hoffman, you're okay. <laughs> he gets there as the as the ceremony is being conducted, and he's like up in the top. He's like Elaine, Elaine, and yeah. Something I find interesting, I'm curious about this is the fact that like when he when everyone sees him, like Mrs. Robinson smiles. Yeah. Did you did you notice that? Yeah, I did notice it. Yeah. So, uh, and then you know, uh, Elaine sees her sees her parents and decides you know this isn't what she wanted. And decides to run off with Ben because I did, I think their escape is actually kind of funny. Yeah, it it's is. Just like the way they're waving off the cross, the way they're getting, the way they're uh, you know. Just go, just going at everybody. They, they trap, they trap him in the chapel. They board a bus and they leave. Now, out of curiosity, did you, did you write down? Did you? The, he, Mr. Robinson says something to Elaine before she leaves. I can't remember what it was. Do you remember? Uh, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, I can't remember either. I'll, I'll, I'll find, I'll find it here in a second. But yeah, they. Uh, they uh, get a they fight they fight off an entire wedding. They board a bus. Okay, here we go. Okay, here we go. I, I, it's Elaine. It's not. It's it's not. It, it's it's too late. That, that it's too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They fight off an entire wedding, trapped inside the chapel, board a bus, and then they leave. But now the ending is something people are kind of not split on, but they have a hard time with because uh-huh. they get on. They're all smiles. They're laughing. 
But then you see the smiles just like fade away, and the sound of silence plays for the last time. Yeah. So people try to figure out like what what the, what does that ending mean? Because if it if it just cut away, if it just cut away as they got on the bus and laughed, then okay, it would have been seen like a nice happy ending. But yeah, is that last one with the sound of si- is that last shot with the sound of silence? Like what is it? What does it mean? Well, I we can, you can go over your interpretation in a second, but I think that this is them kind of coming to their senses and realizing like what have they done? Yeah, because if you look at the sound, if you look at like the sound of silence, let's say like it it plays several times in this movie. It plays three times. One when he gets back from college, one when he's having the affair, and once more at the end. Yeah. Now, what do all three of these times have in common? They're all times in which Ben is questioning his life. He's questioning whether or not he's he's happy with what he's doing or whether he's completely miserable. Yeah. And. Yeah, and Sound of Silence is a, per- is a perfect allegory for that because it's a song all about, you know, it, it's a song all about isolation, like the, the void of isolation, how, how hard it can be to escape it. Or, not, yeah. or isolation, misery, you know, stuff like that. Just like the, the feelings that make you feel like you're alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's play. And look at this movie again through the eyes of rebellion. Like, you, 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 you look at it. I, these two parents are just constantly bearing down on their kids, trying to tell them like what they can or can't do. That's like, yeah. It it would explain why Ben was re- ready to marry Elaine after like what one and a half dates. Yeah, just because of that, like the the rebellious side. It's just like you know what you're not going to tell me who and you know what I mean. What what I'm going to do or who I'm going to love or whatever. Blah blah blah. I'm just going to do it. And remember, like we, t- we, t- we talked earlier about. How early in the film, Mrs. Robinson earlier had a, a rebellious side in her youth. Yeah, and it caught, and she spent the rest of her life kind of facing the repercussions from it. And I wonder if that's kind of what Mrs. Robinson's gonna think is gonna happen to Elaine. Like Elaine's gonna make kind of almost the same mistakes that she made. Yeah, and you know? ultimately, like you, you feel like they ultimately are kind of doomed to make the same mistakes their parents did. Yeah, and. It's kind of like the harder they push back, the harder they try to the, they try to push back, the harder they fight. Although, yeah. when the fighting stops, like they they realize that they're ultimately kind of tethered together. Like whether they, they, they want to be or not, they're questioning: Is this what we really wanted? Yeah, and I think that that last shot perfectly conveys that. And I think that ultimately feeds into the bigger theme of this film. It's not really about it's not really a simple story. It's all about like you. You know, youth rebellion. What happens when that rebellion is not allowed to be explored? Yeah, and like I guess the like my interpretation of the ending would be like they literally, you know, Ben realizes that he himself maybe actually does have feelings for Elaine. You know what I mean? Um, granted, again, like he's the type of person that's inexperienced in relationships and experienced in like love and all and all that stuff. But I think he wants to actually make it a valiant go. Like I think he. He wants to rebel against what obviously Mrs. Robinson wants for her daughter. I think he wants to try to pursue a relationship with her. And I think that's what, to me, that's what the ending symbolizes to me, is the fact that I think he, he wants to go ahead and, you know, uh, you know, pursue things with Elaine. No, yeah. And I, I, I think that it's just them realizing that, you, you know, like once, once, the, once the dust settles, once they have nowhere to fight anymore, like once you... Like when you like, if you fight hard for your freedom and don't know what to do with your freedom once you have it, it's kind of like where do you go? Yeah. 
So yeah, it's a it's a multi layered film. These are our interpretations, but that's our review of the film overall. What what did you think of the Graduate, Russell? Oh, it's a fantastic film. There's a reason why this is a classic film. You know what I mean? Um, Fifty three years old. I, I think it's still relevant. Um, you know, I mean, some of the the key points that we talked about, just like what you're doing in life in general, and just like things like that. Um, and even how, like, like even the beginning of the film, like we were talking about, like how all these parents or whatever were just like, you know, at, at Ben's party and they're like pushing to see what he's going to, you know what I mean? What he's going to do? Is he going to go to grad school? Is he going to do this and that? You know, you have parents that are like that, you know what I mean? Um, but it's still, it still rings true is what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic film from top to bottom. Dustin Hoffman gives a tremendous, you know, uh, you know, portrayal of a kid that just kind of coming in his own, doesn't really know what, what he wants out of life. You know, Anne Bancroft, you know, fantastic performance and just everything about the film, you know, and even, you know, even we said with Catherine Ross as Elaine, um, you know, definitely uh, gives a really under, you know, underperform or not an under, understated, sorry, understated and under, yeah, an understated performance because we really do see that she can play and she can hang out you know, and give just a good of acting, you know, performance as Hoffman and Bancroft in the film. And then, and then the soundtrack, you got to love the, the use of Simon and Garfunkel throughout this whole entire film. But overall, it's a classic. I mean, it's a great film that you could watch many times. Yeah, uh, I, I, I too really like this movie. I, I think it's like, like I said, multi-layers, great performances, really well written, really well shot, really well directed. Uh, I think symbolically, like, like, like symbolically, there's a ton of stuff about this movie, like with the water, you know how it's how he's always like drifting, like drifting with no real direction. I think that I think that's really impressive. There's so much that this movie I find impressive. There's a reason it stood, like you said. There's a reason it stood over 50 years, and will probably continue to stand, on like for forever maybe. Like, I think it's a great film. I'm glad we got a chance to take a look at. It. I, I, I like when we get a chance to take a look at more classic stuff. Might, might need to do that. And no, and I totally I totally agree. And kind of how you said it, it's like. I felt like Carrie, I mean, granted, Carrie is a really good performance, too. Um, but, like, to me, it's like, it, that's all, like, cut dry. Like, we see how mean of a mom she is. It's done. You know what I mean? This is more multi-layered, I think, like we were talking about. And I think I'm glad that's why we got to, you know, take a look at this as opposed to Carrie. Because, I mean, we could just sit there and say, oh, yeah, Carrie's mom is is mean and very controlling, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, you see the different layers of Mrs. Robinson in this film. And I think that's this is what makes a better character analysis i think this this film definitely um there's a lot of you know like how we said different layers of this film and i think that's what makes this movie a lot more interesting to talk about yeah so that's gonna do it for us here uh russell want to get a plug before we head up yeah you can find us on facebook notorious by chance uh really growing the group i think we're like 335 which is great um just keep adding people and you know keep telling them about it if they like movies but we put polls up there every week for you guys to vote on whatever wins we, we review. You guys can also check us out on YouTube. We're going to get back into that eventually. I know we've been talking about it, but we, we will. Um, YouTube is notorious by chance as well. We're going to put some kind of new content out on there. I don't know what, but we'll put something out soon. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Game of Chance, with underscore 91. Uh, check out the Smowdown. Geek Tournament's about to start. The Star Wars Tournament's starting on Twitch. Very soon, so I'll be on the lookout for that. We actually had just a, a preview special very recently with one Mr. Cody Rhodes, which is very fun. And uh, yeah, you'd be and uh, yeah, it's gonna do it for us. And we will see you next week where we look at movies celebrating their fifth, their uh, I guess sweet fifth, sweet fifteen.
Sweet 15. Fab 15, whatever. Movie's turning 15 this year. So until then, we will see you next time.